it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Alexander-Arnold swing the corner in. Clear off the line. Jimenez back. Salah puts it in. Mo Salah. How can you not be proud of this Liverpool side? 92 points in a title race that went right to the wire. Premier League was not to be. Paris is now the focus. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool, everything else on the site. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod, there's a special price right now, a pound a month for six months, if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall, joining me on the Red Agenda, James Pearce and Simon Hughes to reflect on what ended up to be a little bit of a frustrating end to the season. But you simply cannot point any fingers at this Liverpool side. So James, Man City were 2-0 down, Liverpool were level with Wolves and there was a palpable feeling in Anfield, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Yeah, that roar that went around the stadium when news of Coutinho putting Villa 2-0 up filtered through, you know, it it was absolutely deafening and it spread around the stadium like wildfire. And yeah, when you're suddenly looking at it then, you're thinking 15 minutes to go, you know, Liverpool have to find a winner against Wolves and the, you know, that that's potentially the title right there. But it was, yeah, it was just a, a crazy, exhausting, tension-fueled afternoon from, from start to finish, wasn't it? And I think that certainly played a part in Liverpool's performance because they, they struggled for long periods to, to overcome a Wolves team with with nothing to, to play for. And and of course, by the time Liverpool did find those late goals through Mo Salah and Andy Robertson, the mood had completely changed again with those extraordinary five and a half minutes at the Etihad when City scored those those three goals. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think everyone went through the full range of emotions. And, and by the end, you know, unfortunately, it was a bit of despondency that was swiftly followed by pride, I think, and and bullish defiance as, as thoughts turned to, to Paris and people accepted that the uh, the title had gone. Si, I think most people were, were absolutely drained heading out of the uh, the stadium. There's something, something about the emotion of a, of a day like that, that that's entirely different to every other football match. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people say it's the hope that kills you, don't they? And I mean, I, I, I do actually disagree with that. I think it's the hope that keeps you, keeps you going in, in some ways. I'd much rather... Gone through yesterday than have a season where the last game means nothing. I mean, the, the reality is in in the in the course of the ninety minutes, Liverpool were never in control of what was going on. Liverpool never went top did they, in, in in the ninety minutes, even though it felt for a, for quite a long period in the second half that it was all building towards this this moment. Possibly in the last few minutes, I, I was thinking this is nailed on for Mo Salah to score the winner. But as soon as City scored, really, you could feel. The atmosphere around Anfield changed a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people just thought, well, if City scored one, they're gonna 
they're going to turn it around. Well, yeah, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult game to assess really because you you're not just looking at Liverpool's performance. You you know it's it's so intertwined with what was going on in Manchester, and I think it did filter through to the play. I mean, I've got to say, I think that the fans were really good yesterday. I think all the way through there was never any sense of um, despondency. You know, I think I think that is the the biggest change that the Klopp has managed to deliver. You know, I think when you, when you think back to 2014 and the, the Chelsea game went wrong. I, I, I think on that day, you know, you could feel it inside the ground, the tension, but it, it never felt like that yesterday at all. I think that the you know that the fans got behind the team and trusted the team to get it done in the end. And I'm just I'm just glad that Liverpool did get their part of the the bargain over the line because I mean it would have been awful if, if Liverpool had a, drew the game and City would have ended up losing. There are there are ways that this scenario could be. 10 times worse, that's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> it's a really obvious thing to say, James, but 92 points and not winning the league. Look, it's harsh, but the quality Liverpool have been up against is, is really, you know, it's, it's staring you in the face. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just that points tally tells you everything, doesn't it? Only, only once in the history of top flight football as, as a team got more than 92 points and not won the league, and that was that was Liverpool in 18-19. You know, they... It could easily be three league titles rather than just the one during Klopp's reign. They've got the misfortune of having to to do battle with you know an opponent like you know no one has ever had to do battle with really in English football previously. With Man City's unlimited resources, you know, underlined by the fact that you know on a on a day with so much at stake, you know they've they've got a hundred million pound signing in Jack Grealish who doesn't even get off the bench on Sunday. You know that's that that's staring you straight in the face, isn't it? The the difference between the two kind of business models of the of the two clubs and and Liverpool have done incredibly well to take it that far and that, that's why I think there won't be there shouldn't be any mental scars I don't think from from missing out on Sunday because back in January it didn't even look like we were going to get a title race did it the gap was fourteen points you know Liverpool have, have done unbelievably to to claw their way back into it I think fifty one points out of a possible fifty seven in the second half of the season you know that's that's consistency on a you know a mind-boggling level, really. So if there are any regrets, I think they belong to that first half of the season where you know Liverpool did have issues that they wrestled with, where they you know that game management in in some contests let them down, that they let teams back into games rather than maintaining control. When you think of you know Brentford away and Brighton at home, with the two the big ones that stick out, you know the you know the only two real kind of abject performances probably West Ham away. And Leicester away, the two defeats. But um, no, by by and large, I think ninety-two points. How can you? Po- there's no there's no criticism whatsoever, especially when you put it in the context of going all the way and winning both domestic cups and reaching the Champions League final. You know, the only concern for me at the minute is just how quick the turnaround is for Paris. Because I, I thought I thought Liverpool did look weary on Sunday. And it's hardly a surprise when you know they're now preparing for game number, game number sixty three because um, it has been an absolute marathon effort. And you know, whereas in Madrid three years ago, you know Klopp's biggest concern was rhythm because there was such a big gap three weeks between the end of the Premier League and facing Tottenham in Madrid. It's the other end of the spectrum this time, where you know suddenly they report for recovery today, and the the Champions League final is five days away. So it's all about trying to reinvigorate minds and and weary limbs for for Klopp and Pep Linders in the next few days. 
I think you're so right. There, there was definitely something about the the energy of the side that wasn't the same. It certainly wasn't a vintage performance in any way, Simon. And, and, and obviously the start of it had us all a little bit worried with, with Wolves scoring Jimenez squaring for Neto. Yeah, I mean, there were uncharacteristic mistakes in the build-up to the goal. I thought, I mean, Wolves, for a team that didn't have anything to play for, I thought, performed well and obviously had a game plan and, and tried to unpick some of the gaps in Liverpool's defence and he, he did that successfully. I mean, at one all, Wolves were having the better chances, really. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to sort of determine, really, to, to what extent the team was fatigued and to what extent, you know, sort of the emotions of the day played in to the game. I mean, Liverpool didn't move the ball quickly enough or, or they weren't sharp enough as well certain points, you know, the, the passes weren't connecting and it, it, it took a, a great bit of vision from Thiago to um to open them up and even even Mane's finish was a, a little bit of a bobbler, wasn't it, I think. So yeah, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a vintage Liverpool performance and and probably sort of one of the the scrappiest performances that they've had in the second half of the season, I'd say. I sort of expected that though. I mean it, as I said at the beginning, it's such a difficult game to assess when so much is going on elsewhere and you know that no matter what you do you don't have your future in your own hands. And I thought in the end, you know, Liverpool finished the game quite strongly, actually, mm. you know, despite them probably knowing that City had secured the title. I mean, that said, I don't think Salah knew when he when he scored. He obviously celebrated with quite a lot of vigour. I don't think the, the news had filtered into his consciousness. So... I suppose at least that shows, you know, that the players did have the, the, the courage to, to go and try and correct what they thought was wrong but yeah I'm a bit like James I do it does concern me a little bit how quickly this game comes because remember correctly last time when Liverpool played Wolves a final game of the season missed out on the title there was a bit of a gap between that game and and, um, and the Champions League final they, they could probably do with a little bit of bit of a break I think it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Perhaps the biggest concern heading into Paris is, is the Thiago and the midfield issue, James. Obviously, Fabinho's been given time to, to try and make the final. Now, Thiago, massive doubt from what the manager says. Is, is it his hamstring he pulled up with? Do you know what? Klopp afterwards wouldn't, wouldn't actually say. He just said it was it was a muscle in the lower part of the body when I asked him about it in the press conference. Um, having a scan today, not good was Klopp's assessment when he was asked about the you know the the worry about Thiago potentially missing the Champions League final so I think just the fact it's so close 
means it is a, a big, big worry and it would be a devastating blow, wouldn't it? I think I don't think anyone could possibly sugarcoat and, and say anything else if Thiago doesn't recover in time for Saturday night in Paris. Because he's been absolutely immense in the second half of the season, especially since he came back from that hip injury. His influence on the team has grown and grown. And especially in, you know, not that Liverpool are short on big game experience, but of course, Thiago's been there. He's, you know, he's got the t-shirt, he, you know, he's, he's won the Champions League. You know, he's, I just think because he, he has this kind of air of like, just so composed and cool at all times, you want him in high pressure situations and yeah that would weaken Liverpool undoubtedly I think it would probably you know Naby Kate is probably the most obvious one to benefit I think if Thiago isn't ready then you're probably looking at you know that the hope still is that Fabino will be fit so if it you know then you're looking at Fabino Henderson and Cater you know, it's it's probably a toss-up between Cater and Milner for that final spot but you'd imagine Cater would would get the the nod ahead of Milner and Milner probably used more likely as a kind of an impact sub but um yeah, I think that's just one of those where you kind of you hope for the best, you know. Let's let's hope that the scan doesn't show up anything or anything considerable. But the turnaround is so quick, isn't it? And that was a real dampener on the day for me because once thoughts turned to Paris, you were thinking, you know, Liverpool need Thiago out there. I mean, his influence on the league season, Simon's been enormous, hasn't it? He has become an integral cog in this Liverpool side. Yeah, and it it showed in his I think his performance yesterday. Uh, I, th- I thought of all Liverpool's players, he, he was both him and Mane were probably the, the two who were in tune the most in in a, in a difficult first half. And as I said earlier, his, his assist for Mane or his involvement in, in Mane's goal was key. He offers something that the rest of the midfield or the midfield players don't have. So yeah, if, if he's not available, it's going to be going to be a major blow. I mean, I suspect. Fabinho will come back in. I mean, it feels like, again, you know, we've got Fabinho coming back in, having missed a couple of games. Whether the rest will have done him any good, it's, it's difficult to determine how much sort of match rhythm he's lost in a, in a relatively short space of time. The same with Van Dijk, I thought. Yesterday was the first time he sort of, again, reminded of just how an important player Van Dijk is. Because in those sorts of moments when you need somebody to calm it down, he, he's he's the one to do it. And I, I just think about the, the Real Madrid midfield. You know, in the, in the last final, Liverpool found it very hard to stop Modric and, and Cruz. And then they had the same problems in the Champions League quarterfinal last season. So you, you, I think you really do need Thiago on the pitch because he offers something to sort of counterbalance that, I think. And particularly in finals where... It is about keeping the ball. I think at times, I think Liverpool, you've got to play finals slightly differently to, to other other games in the course of a season. Liverpool found that in the last Champions League final. So if, if, he, if he's unavailable, it will, be, it will be a big blow, I think. Yeah, just, just on that, how much does it level the playing field? I, I think, look, everyone will have a different opinion. I think if, if it's Liverpool's strongest team, that they're much too much for Real Madrid, James. But actually, if you, if you take a few of those key players out, particularly in the midfield, does it make it a more level playing field? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it does. Because we, we know that that midfield trio, it, which is Klopp's first choice of Fabino, Henderson, Thiago, I don't think you'd you'd swap that for, for anything in terms of the combination of qualities that gives you. Suddenly you lose Thiago. And as, as Simon said, I think 
you know, Fabino, the worry would be that he is a bit rusty, having had that that little break and hasn't been able to train. And we know that the way Real Madrid are, you know, they with you know, they're so experienced, so streetwise that they've just had this knack, haven't they, this season, Real Madrid. You know, you've you've looked at them so many times and thought, well, you know, they're not going to get past this hurdle yet, you know, to knock out PSG, Chelsea and Man City in the manner in which they did en route to to Paris does absolutely command respect. And yeah, and I, just, I just thought it's just more kind of, you know, the fluency that we've associated with Liverpool for so much of the season. You know, it, I think in this home straight, it has become a lot more of a struggle. And and in, you know, in, in a way that's a compliment to them, the fact that they've, they've continued to grind out results and shown incredible resilience in tough situations to, you know, when you think they've, you know, they've come from behind, haven't they, in, in so many games recently. They did it at Villa, they did it at Southampton, they did it again against Wolves, but it's not really sustainable, I think. It's certainly against an opponent as good as Real Madrid. And I think Simon's right, you know, it's the old thing, isn't it, about you only really appreciate what you've got fully until it's not there. And that was that was Van Dijk, I think, again, yesterday, a reminder of how important he is, because... I don't think Matip or Canate are the same player when they don't have Van Dijk alongside them. Because, yeah, Liverpool can't give up the kind of openings that they, they gave Wolves to Real Madrid. You know, Benzema won't be as wasteful as Dendonka was a couple of times and Jimenez when they got in behind. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit to sort out this week. That's probably Klopp's toughest selection decision is whether he goes with Canate or, or Matip at the back. I think you could make a strong case for either. You know, Canate is come on leaps and bounds over the course of the season. He's probably quicker than the Matip. You know, he started both legs against Benfica and against Villarreal in the quarters and the semis. But obviously Matip has the has the greater experience and you know and Matip's probably more gifted bringing bringing the ball out with the ball at his feet. That's probably the biggest call Klopp's got this week because I think further forward I think that's pretty much nailed on in terms of a front three of of Diaz, Mane and and Salah and and although that goal didn't count for for much, you know, I think you know the fact that the fact that Salah did score that goal that you know surely meant he, he that meant he shared the golden boot with Son at Tottenham. You know that that will give him a lift going into Paris, and he, he'd actually gone you know he's gone seven appearances without a goal before Sunday. You know his his worst barren run of the season, which had gone under the radar a little bit. So you know I think that's a bonus as well because um, you know Liverpool desperately need Mo Salah back to the Mo Salah of the first half of the season rather than the second half of the season if if his revenge mission for Kiev is going to come off. Absolutely no smiles when he was given that golden boot was this sign but and the same with Allison as well for for the golden gloves and of course Mo got the um I can't even remember what the awards called for assists as well but you, you know certainly looking completely flat when he was handed over that in the presentation after the game. I've got to admit, Steve, I was in the pub by then. Oh, <laughs> I have actually just come across some of the pictures. Yeah, he didn't look too happy, understandably as well. I mean, Salah's had a an incredible season. Really, the first half of the season sort of pushed Liverpool along. When in a lot of games, he was as influential as any Liverpool player has has been that I've seen in the last sort of. 10, 15 years, really, and then the second half of the season, I just think the disappointment of getting to the uh, Africa Cup of Nations final, losing it, and then missing out on qualifying for the World Cup. I think whereas it's had a negative effect for him, it's had a positive effect for Mane. So Mane, for me, really the player of the year for the second or player of the season for the second half of the season, he's been absolutely brilliant for Liverpool. I mean, lethal yesterday. 
for me, looks like he could play centre forward for another three or four years. Just robust, can stand up to the physical challenges. Defenders hate playing against him. He knows how to find space for himself. So that's been a real bonus for Liverpool, I'd say, this season. And so I've got just a little feeling that if Liverpool are to, to win in Paris, it could be Mane who, who'd be the deciding factor because I, I think... And not Salah. Yeah, well, I, I just think the way Mane, the moment, you know, the momentum and rhythm that he's got in his game at the moment, he's going to be difficult to stop. You know, I was doing a bit of reading the day and I think it's it's quite... it's a symbolic city for, for Mane as well because when he landed in Europe, Paris was the first place he went to before going to Mets and I believe, obviously, it'll bring back sort of quite a few emotions for him I think because uh, you know that that started a journey that's taken him to Liverpool you know a long time ago so yeah for me I, I think I think Mane the way he's performed this season has just been sensational we probably don't talk about him about him enough really do we I think it's fair to say you know lots of people like to say certain players are underrated and but he probably doesn't get spoken about enough I think I mean for me he's he's, he's a Liverpool great and he, he'll always be remembered as that we're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dyke was there. Ball's here to Henderson. Oh, the overhead kick is a good one. Origi! Divock Origi in front of the cup against Everton. Once again, it's almost inevitable. Well, talking about Liverpool greats, while you went to the pub, uh, Si, everyone else celebrated Divock Origi. That's right, isn't it, James? I can't believe Si missed the, the Divock moment of appreciation and the amount of love that poured out for the man. Yeah, it was a it was a lovely moment with the the guard of honor, and I think it just it just underlined, didn't it, what what he means to everyone associated with football, with Liverpool Football Club, and, and not just his iconic status amongst the supporters, but just what a popular figure he's been with his teammates and and the staff, and you know the fact that the owners had those gifts, you know the the iconic pictures from his Liverpool career in frames to. To hand over to him, yeah, it was a it was a touch of class because um, you know when when you look back in years to come over the highest scorers in Liverpool's history, you won't you won't find Divock Origi massively high up that list. But if you were drawing a list of players who have who have made you know kind of magical contributions and and given fans memories 
that you'll cherish forever, then he's got few peers really in that in that that list because um, he's popped up and delivered time and time again in 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 big moments for Liverpool. So um, yeah, it, it feels like the timing's right. Is he is he a legend, James? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's no. I don't even know how that that can't even be a debate really because I think just just when you off the top of your head when you think about the moments that he's you know when you when you score a goal in a Champions League final that essentially secures the victory you know I think I think that's enough in itself forgetting the fact that you know he he played such a big part in the most stunning fight back in in Anfield history with that semi final against Barcelona and when you think of all those other big goals rolled in and but yeah it does it does feel like a parting of the ways makes sense for everyone at this stage because you know I think I think you can only be a kind of a bit part player for for so long and you know it it feels like the the time's right for him to to go elsewhere and and to be one of the main men which I think I think he will become at, at AC Milan where we're expecting him to to sign a contract and um yeah I think you know he didn't obviously didn't make enough appearances this season to trigger that extension in his in his contract, but he'll be missed because it's not just what he gives you on the pitch, but I think off it as well because he's you know he's such a laid back character that just spread calm and people just enjoyed being around him and um, yeah in the same way as you know when Alden you know there was a lot of emotion when 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 Alden walked away twelve months earlier it was the same same with Origi because um, yeah he can he can be very proud of of, of what he's achieved at Liverpool because. Um, maybe maybe didn't fulfill the full potential when you look at you know where he was in that that first season under Klopp and you know, when he looked like he could potentially lead the line for Liverpool for years to come but you know his role has changed but still incredibly valuable and he'll be missed. Si I hope while you were in the Albert you raised your pint of San Miguel to him. <laughs> yeah I did, I, I did think about him don't worry Steve I was thinking about him a little bit. I've just realised Divock is only 27 years old which he's still got a fair bit of football left in him, hasn't he? Really, if if he, if he can keep him fit and, and playing it. I mean, uh, that first season was such again a, a very up and down season because I, I remember the first few months I thought oh, Liverpool got a dud here, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and then Klopp came in and um, obviously had a lot of belief in him. Klopp Klopp really liked him. His performance in Dortmund was one of the. One of the honestly one of the best performances by a forward that I've seen for Liverpool in a European away match. He was absolutely brilliant that night. Really led the line, and I thought, God, he's actually he's definitely not a dud. And he's just unfortunate that he got injured when he when he did. It just sort of uh, it didn't help him. It didn't help Liverpool that season. And as we just discussed, I mean, he goes down as again a, a legendary player because of the the goals that he scored. If you score in the Merseyside derby once, a winning goal. You know, people are always going to speak positively about you from a Liverpool perspective. You know, Andy Carroll only needs to know that, doesn't he? It's like, it was worth the the record fee just for the FA Cup semi-final goal. You never hear anybody castigating him. And obviously, Divock Origi did that on numerous occasions. His goal against Everton was uh, with the famous Jordan Pickford moment was the catalyst really for that season, I would say. You know, people started to believe that Impossible things could happen uh, from that moment onwards, and I mean his performance against Barcelona at Anfield was was absolutely brilliant. I mean, say he bullied Barcelona a bit that night. Actually, his phys- you know physicality really came into play, and um, he's come up with goals this season as well. Important goals away at Wolves. Uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it's the age. I think he's got to be playing now, really. At that age, you've got to be playing week in, week out. And it's going to be really interesting how he does in AC Milan because they're, they're a good side. I know Liverpool beat them uh, comfortably, really, in, in the two Champions League games, but they've obviously won Serie A this weekend. So I think he's going to a club where, you know, he, he'll be fighting for honours and hopefully he'll be playing a bit more often. And I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, Divock over the course of a full season, if he, if he, can, if he can do that, just how many goals he, he might score. Left us with brilliant memories. Look, let's just finish the pod, James, with a, with a thought on how that final day was played out, how it does affect next week. Is there emotional fatigue? Is it an easy reset? Is it one of those, I think Klopp alluded to the fact that in his press conference, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us want it even more in Paris. Yeah, I, I think it will be more the latter. I, th- I think it does help the fact that it's it's not as if as I said before it's not it's not like Liverpool threw it away on the final day despite going through the the full spectrum of emotions you know ultimately you know it was completely out of their hands and you know City won their game so it was I, I don't from that perspective I don't think it should have a negative impact you know I, I think the big thing will be trying to revive those legs and try and get Liverpool right physically because I think as we touched upon, you know, Real Madrid won the Liga three weeks ago. You know, Carlo Ancelotti has been able to rotate and and rest players, key personnel a lot more than Klopp has been able to with Liverpool going flat out for the title. So, um, yeah, that that's the big thing this week. You know, I'm sure the masters and the and the physios will be will be working absolute overtime. But yeah, I think certainly the mood afterwards. You know, it wasn't people weren't down in the dumps. You know, it was. You know, there was this, you know, in- incredible kind of kind of po- mood of positivity that I think stems from Klopp and the players. And that was the message afterwards from all of them that you know, this will make them more determined than ever to go to go and win it in Paris next Saturday night. And, you know, ultimately that that game against Real Madrid will define this season because I think this team have been too good for too long to just end this season with both domestic cups. And I know that sounds stupid because in most normal seasons, you'd say, of course, that's a massively successful year, and it will be. You know, it will. If Liverpool only end up with the two domestic cups on that parade around the city next Sunday, you know, of course, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will turn out in force, and there'll still be a reason to celebrate. But I think we'd all admit deep down it would feel underwhelming after the season Liverpool have had if they don't have the European Cup on board and if they don't make it a treble, and that that does raise the stakes ahead of ahead of next Saturday night. So. Um, yeah, huge, huge game to look forward to. You know, a, you know, a fitting finale to what's been an incredible journey over the last nine months. And you just have to hope that, that Klopp and his staff can inspire one final big performance because, um, yeah, you just want to see this Liverpool team produce a defining performance on on the big stage and ensure that, you know, they, they get the rewards they deserve, I think, because... They've given us so many, so many incredible moments since since August through that through the ride through to May, and you just want one more. Can't wait, absolutely can't wait. Thanks to James and to Simon as well. You want to read uh, their articles on the Athletic, including James's piece on that final day of the season against Wolves. Uh, head there now. If you haven't signed up, you can do special price pound a month uh, for the first six months. So you can head there and get a special deal at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod is the way to go. My thanks for listening to the Red Agenda. Full Champions League preview coming at the end of the week. We'll see you for that. Goodbye.